History Stories Collection Sir Walter Raleigh Born 1552, near the sea, Raleigh fed his young imagination with stories of the wild doings of English seamen. He went to college at Oxford at the age of 14 and made a good name as a student. In a few years, young Raleigh went to France to take part in the religious wars of that unhappy country. At the time he returned home, all England was rejoicing over Drake's first shipload of gold. When Queen Elizabeth sent an army to aid the people of Holland against the Spaniards, young Raleigh was only too glad to go. On his return from this war, he went with his half-brother Sir Humphrey Gilbert on two voyages to America. At the very same time, Drake was plundering the Spanish treasure ships in the Pacific Ocean. Afterward, Raleigh turned soldier again and, as captain, went to Ireland, where Spain had sent soldiers to stir up rebellion. Thus, before he was thirty years old, he had been a seaman and a soldier, and had been in France, Holland, America, and Ireland. At this time, Raleigh was a fine-looking man, about six feet tall, with dark hair and a handsome face. He had plenty of wit and good sense, although he was fond indeed of fine clothes. He was just the very one to catch the favor of Queen Elizabeth. One day Elizabeth and her train of lords and ladies were going down the roadway from the royal castle to the river. The people crowded both sides of the road to see their beloved queen and her beautiful ladies go by. Raleigh pressed his way to the front. As Elizabeth drew near, she hesitated about passing over a muddy place. In a moment, the feeling that every true gentleman has in the presence of ladies told Raleigh what to do, and the queen suddenly saw his beautiful red velvet cloak lying in the mud at her feet. She stepped up on it, nodded to its gallant owner, and passed on. From this time forward, Raleigh was a great favorite at the court of Queen Elizabeth, trying to plant England English colonies. In 1584, Raleigh caused a friend to write a letter to the Queen explaining that English colonies planted on the coast of North America would not only check the power of Spain but would also increase the power of England. That very year, the Queen gave him permission to plant colonies. Thus, a better way of opposing Spain was found than by robbing treasure ships and burning towns. Raleigh immediately sent a ship to explore. The captain landed on what is now Roanoke Island. The Indians came with a fleet of forty canoes to give them a friendly welcome. After a few days, an Indian queen with her maidens came to entertain the English. We found the people most gentle, loving, and faithful, void of all gallantreason, said Captain Barlow. His glowing account of the land and people so pleased Elizabeth that she named the country Virginia in honor of his own virgin life. Raleigh next sent out a kinsman, Sir Richard Grenville, with a fleet of seven vessels and one hundred settlers under Ralph Lane as governor. But the settlers were bent on finding gold and silver instead of making friends with the Indians. An Indian stole a silver cup from the English. Because of this theft, Lane and his men fell upon the Indian village, drove out men, women, and children, burned their homes, and destroyed their crops. This was not only cruel, but also foolish, for the story of his cruelty spread to other tribes, and after that, wherever the English went, they were always in danger from the Indians. 
When Drake came along the next spring with his great fleet, the settlers were only too glad to get back to England and be once more among friends. They took home from America the turkey and two food plants, the white potato and Indian corn, worth more to the world than all the gold and silver found in the mines of Mexico and Peru. Although Raleigh had already spent thousands of dollars, he would not give up. He immediately sent out a second colony of 150 settlers, a number of whom were women. John White was governor. Roanoke was occupied once more, and there shortly afterwards was born Virginia Dare, the first white child of English parents in North America. Before a year went by, the governor had to go to England for aid. But Raleigh and all England had little time to think of America. The Armada was coming, and every English ship and sailor was needed to fight the Spaniards. Two years went by before Governor White reached America with supplies. When he did reach, there practically no trace of the colony could be found. Not a settler was left to tell the tale. The only trace of Raleigh's lost colony was the word Croatone cut in large letters on a post. Croatone was the name of an island nearby. White returned home, but Raleigh sent out an old seaman, Samuel Mace, to search for the lost colony. It was all in vain. Many years later, news reached England that a tribe of Indians had a band of white slaves, but the mystery of the lost colony never was cleared up. Raleigh had now spent his great fortune, but he did not lose heart, for he said that he would live to see Virginia a nation. He was right. Before he died, a great colony had been planted in Virginia, and a ship loaded with the products of Virginia had sailed into London Port, and an Indian princess had married a Virginian and had been received with honor by the king and queen of England. The Death of Raleigh But the great Elizabeth was dead, and an, inter- and an unfriendly king, James I, was on the throne. He threw Raleigh into prison and kept him there thirteen years. The Spaniards urged the king to put Raleigh to death. He had been a lifelong enemy of Spain, and they knew they were not safe if he lived. Alas, Spanish influence was too strong, and Sir Walter faced death on the scaffold as bravely as he had faced the Spaniards in battle. Thus died a man who gave both his fortune and his life for the purpose of planting an English colony in America.